Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back reporting for duty here after a week off. Hopefully you missed us. We missed you. We're excited to talk to you for the next hour or so. We, we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts. We will definitely be going over the card that just took place, which was headlined by Matias Gamron and uh, Raphael Fiziev. Excuse me. And yeah, the latest news, of course, no guests. And maybe we'll even tell you a little bit about uh, our birthday week, which is pretty much over at this point. I think I've had a few happy birthdays still trickling in a day late, but that's fine. At least they remember. And so anyway, let us reset and we'll start the show. Joe, have you gotten a belated happy birthday today? Today? No. Well, yeah, actually I did. What do you say to it? It's four days late. What do you say to it? Still thanks or just doesn't bother me i'd rather them remember them than not they could they could send you one in december well no that would be ridiculous wow that's what i'm saying if they say hey i just remembered your birthday was in september i didn't even wish you happy birthday happy birthday i mean if we're living in a ridiculous world then yeah i guess that would bother me but uh something what's like that your line your, your what what's your dividing line where it becomes ridiculous um, two weeks maybe. Wow, you're generous. I remember getting a couple last year, about a week in, and I was like, "Come on, man!" They had not only forgot, they probably glanced so fast at my Facebook page, saw another person post it, didn't even bother to look at the date, and then just threw it out there. I don't know. Yeah. I think if I I. I might give it a day or two, throw in my belated, my bad. Hope you had a nice one. But if not, I just, hey, you know, what are you going to do? I look at it as um, there's a difference between a person who just flat out says, yeah, fuck it. And they don't do anything. And a person that says, even though I'm late and I'm going to look stupid, this person means enough to me that I'm, I'm going to at least make this effort. Tuck my tail between my legs. There's a difference between the two. So that's why I would rather them do that than just, I don't care. I always write, hope you had a nice birthday. Belated, um, I might do that if it's 1230 at night the next day. Like, I just missed it, you know, Mm -hmm. throwing belated. Or maybe the next morning, oh, I fell asleep early, didn't get it. But after that, I just admit 
I take the L and just say, I hope you had a good one. But I acknowledge that it's it's late. There's no need to say the related part. So I mean, nothing happened about the belated birthday. I don't think it's uh, this is a horrible thing. So I'm just going to read to you what this person sent me. It says, I know I'm late, but still, still like you to know that I love you very much. But sometimes I get a little bit out of work, uh, out of working business, and I don't pay attention to more important things. I hope you had a great birthday. You deserve it. May all your wishes come true. I love you. That's pretty legit. What are you going to do? I mean, yeah, it's that's, days yeah, that's later. a lot more than, than happy to be late or whatever. Um, <laughs> we had a nice birthday week, I guess, folks. And a lot of you reached out, and we appreciate it. And we know some MMA took place, so let's get into it. Let's talk about the big fights. I always want to discuss the big fights, and then and we'll throw out some results. And Bellator, Johnny Evelyn defeated Fabian Edwards. That was the first of the two big shows on Saturday. And he looked great. Got it done with the hands. Got it done with some ground and pound. It was over. Then he made a, stood over him. Said the, the moment got the best of him. But he wanted a piece of old Leon. As well, Leon went in there, and Leon's a weight class below him. Uh, he said he they they squashed it in the back. He apologized and said the moment got the best of me, and it's all good. I think Johnny Evelyn. What's amazing about him, um, man? I'm gonna try and say this as best as I can without disrespecting Fabian Edwards, but uh, he's doing the best he can with the people they put in front of him. But I feel like you still see improvements and you see a guy who wants to get better, who wants to not only be the best guy in Bellator, but the best guy in the world. And a lot of people have told that to us, to our faces many times, but you don't believe every single one of them that says it. I believe it when this guy says it. What if he got to 30 and 0 with 10 title defenses, smashed everyone? You and I and some listeners and some fighters and some notables might all go, it's Evelyn, man. He's number one. We could put him on the USA Today Sports and MMA Junkie Rankings number one. And anybody else that does it, Tapology, sure dog. But he won't be one in the UFC rankings because he's not a UFC fighter. And there's a lot of UFC fans who are just going to go, shut up. It's our guy. It's It's, you know, and I wonder... How much that bothers fighters? I think it bothers them a lot. Uh, however, when you have a dude, especially like this one, that trains in such a big team, you're going to have UFC fighters that go to bat for him. And uh, I think with him, I think we have something pretty special. If Israel Adesanya were still champ, I'd say, I'd say this guy could beat him. Sean Strickland, and especially the Sean Strickland that showed up the other night, I'd say it's a task. That would that would be a tough one to call. Well, they have trained, and they're very familiar with each other, but they also sound like they're friends. Mm -hmm. I think they know the truth between who maybe gets the best out of training, but I don't know. You know, there's been so many upsets lately that nothing's a slam dunk until the fight happens. And here's the other thing. Just because someone wins, I always wonder if 
you really proved who the better fighter is or like look there's still a mystery between izzy and vejeda they're one one i'm still not sure who the better fighter is because in the first fight izzy was whooping him even though he did get he did get hurt early but then he was whooping him and then Fajeda landed that huge punch to win the title. In the second one, Fajeda actually looked pretty good. He's hurting Izzy. Then Izzy comes over the top and hurts him. Even putting the kickboxing aside, it's kind of fun to maybe leave it at 1-1. But obviously, whoever wins the second one is walks away as the best. And in this case, Israel now lost it to Strickland, who, by the way, got knocked out by Fajeda. So... That's kind of fun to discuss. But see, you and I can do it, and knowledgeable fans can do it. It's just that no one is re- – I mean, sorry, no. A large percentage of UFC fans are not even going to entertain that Evelyn is possibly the best middleweight in the world. Yeah, that's just the way it is. And and a lot of them are just uneducated. Um, some of them just don't watch Bellator. They don't care to. And I get that. Uh, and Johnny needs to understand that he's going to have to not only meet the standards, but he's going to have to go above and beyond for people to really, really make that statement. He has no choice. You know, all he can do is keep fighting uh, top level competition and get your finishes, you know, leave no doubt. That's all that he can do. And that's what he's doing. And, and whatever that road is, it's going to be a lot, lot longer. Because he's a Bellator guy. But it doesn't mean he can't get it. I can't think of too many fighters who fought outside the UFC that really can lay their head down at night and say, you all know who the best is. There's, there's just Other than Fedor Emelianenko, I'm struggling to think of somebody else that can lay that claim. It seems like... Like, at some point, Cyborg did make it to the UFC and did win the belt. And that was pretty cool. And even though she's kind of left it, she at least had that pit stop. But everyone Mm -hmm. else, there was always that, well, you kind of didn't, you know, know, that thing. That's weird because even, like, you know, when you go back a little bit and you look at Chuck Liddell going over to Pride and Rampage getting a hold of him, you still couldn't really make that claim because Vanderlei was was starching people, right? And then when Vanderlei came over to the UFC, things didn't go too well for Vanderlei in the UFC. It's really hard. Yeah, there aren't that many instances where you could uh, really nail it down. However, you said you, you said uh, Fedor Emelianenko. Mm-hmm. I would even go as far as maybe that group of Krokop, Nogueira, and Fedor you could say kind of ruled everything at that time over the, I believe the top dog was, was Tim Sylvia in the UFC, Andre Arlovsky. I think they traded, traded back and forth. Well, if you recall, Krokop comes over and gets smashed by Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. And so a lot went out the window with that guy. And then he came back and won some fights in the UFC and that was fine. He was never champ. Noguera was an interim champ. And I think together with that and being the pride champ, he can lay his head down on the pillow and go, hey, I want it pride, and I got a belt in the UFC. I'm good, you know? But Fedor never stepped foot in the octagon, and I think he can say I'm good because he beat six former UFC champs 
-hmm. He won that Wama belt when at the time Pride was still holding the best heavyweights in the UFC. Their former champs kind of came over and he beat him at Affliction. So he had a lot of ways to connect dots. And then, geez, that farewell in L.A. with all those people paying reverence to him. Like, at that point, how can you not, you know, there's there's, there's no one that could ever upset you and say, yeah, bitch, but you never won in the UFC. I think Fedor would just go, shut up, I'm Fedor, and let me go about my business, whatever it is that he's doing at that particular moment. But, look, I hope Evelyn gets treated well and paid well. But at some point, I would like to see him in the UFC, much like Chandler and Melendez and Thompson and Henda, uh, Vincent Henderson and all the others that kind of had to come over and and did prove themselves, you know, somewhat. Yeah, I mean, look at Justin Gaethje. Look at Eddie Alvarez. Gaethje, yeah, Even Michael one. Chandler. Yeah, he's not undefeated, but he's definitely no pushover. Like he's every fight he's been in. He was seconds from being champion. You know, so it's to say that somebody coming from another organization can't contend just because they're not in the UFC is, is crazy. We have the proof. These guys can do it. They're they're good. They're just as good. Not all of them, but some of them stand out that way. Chandler's knockout of Hooker was so tremendous for him. And even Ben Askren's win over Robbie Lawler was big. Mm -hmm. You know, months later, he got kneed by Masvidal. And a lot of that went out the window, but still, not, he was 18 and 0, I think. Maybe even 19 and 0. He had a Bellator tournament title win, maybe even two. He was their champ. He had title offenses. He went to one championship. He was their champ. He had title defenses. But you could always say, yeah, but Ben, you never did it in the UFC. And then the minute he came over and beat Robbie Lawler, wow, like that was so huge for him and i like i say i i just hope that everyone ever get always gets that chance unless until something changes because right now the ufc is regarded as the nfl there you go i guess is what i'm trying to say that's true yeah you could say that yeah well congrats to him congrats to aaron pico uh pico actually made it to the honorable mentions he's won eight in a row the fight against Jeremy Kennedy is a loss, technically. So that's when his shoulder popped out. And and I'm going to be fair here. Jeremy Kennedy was fighting well that night. Jeremy Kennedy sure as hell could have maybe gotten the W regardless. But we don't know. So I just don't want to hang that loss on him. I mean, I guess, it, I guess it was technically a loss. You could say seven of his last eight. But, you know, when an actual proper fight has taken place and there's been a winner and a loser via decision or some sort of a finish pico is done pretty well he started off four and three and now he's like seven and one with that one loss that i just told you about and i think he's gonna be fighting for a title soon but he looked he looked pretty sharp so congrats to him those were the two big fights sarah collins defeated uh Sinead kavanaugh and these are featherweights uh who actually are in our top 15 so i had to keep kind of an eye on them split decision but still a win for the five and oh collins who kind of moves up because that's just not a deep division but her two wins are against mm -hmm. notables like this Sinead uh, Kavanaugh who was ranked and Pam Sorensen but other than that that card really wasn't much of note I guess to I guess the listeners of Junkie Radio who are more preoccupied with 
what happened in the UFC. If you have any final thoughts, please share regarding Bell Tour 299. Otherwise, we'll turn the page to the UFC fight night that took place here in Las Vegas. Well, I think what they did is is lay a good foundation for what's next. The problem is we don't know if there's going to be a next, right? There's not very much on the books when it comes to Bellator, just a bunch of rumors of what could possibly happen. But if this mm-hmm. continues to go that way, well, that's what you want. You want your Aaron Picos to win. You want your Johnny Eblins to win. Uh, and their performances leave you wanting more. But the longer this is in doubt, where we don't know if there's going to be more, it kind of takes away from the wins a little bit, in my opinion. Yeah, you're right. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen, and no one's spoken out about it. We've put in to interview Scott Coker, and not only are we not told no, or well, definitely not yes, but not even a no, just no answer, almost like they're kind of hiding them. And... Mm -hmm. We'll keep trying. I'm sure it's a difficult spot for him, and he probably doesn't have answers. Um, it's been teased by Don Davis from PFL that you know big announcements could be coming forward. But at this point, to guess what all that could be, who knows? So we'll just wait for it to happen, and however it happens, it happens. I will say Dublin Ireland looked like it was pretty rocking over there. And there are some fighters like this Josh O'Connor, 6-0. and uh, Azael. Aduje, he's seven and one. Otto Rodriguez, fourteen and one. Dara Kelly, five and zero. Oh. Kassan Magomed Sharimov, nine and zero. Oh. Luca Pocklet, ten and one. Sharon Clark, um, eight and zero. Oh. JJ Wilson, ten and one. I mean, these might be legit fighters that we would be saying things about them if they were in the UFC, but they're so buried on these Bellator cards that. We don't know if it's a legit 10 and 1 or you know what I mean? It's tough. Shout out to Mads Vernell. I see him a lot at Extreme Couture. He got a win over Daniel Weichel, a respected fe- fellow featherweight. So there you go. I think those four fights are the ones that mattered. 20 fights altogether out at Bellator goes in, D- in Dublin, Ireland. It's a crazy long night for whoever's, uh, whoever's in attendance. We've been through that night a couple times. <laughs> It's fun to say you've done it, but boy, does it take a lot of steam out of you. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Over in the UFC, things started off. It was 11 fights altogether. Montserrat Rendon goes to 6-0. She defeated Tamiris Vidal. Uh, Mizuki Inoue, 15-6 and now. She defeated Hannah Goldie. Mohamed Uzman took care of Jay Collier. He goes to 10-2. Cody Brundage goes to 9-5. and He took care of Jacob Malkoon. Tim Means still chugging along, 33-15-1. He defeated Andre Fialio. Miles Johns goes to 14 and 2. He defeated Dan Argueta. Uh, Charles Jordan, 15, 6 and 1. He defeated Ricardo Ramos. Brian Battle defeated AJ Fletcher. He's now 10 and 2. Marina Rodriguez, 17, 3 and 2. Defeated Michelle Watterson. Why they ran that fight, I don't know. They just fought like a couple years ago and she battered her. I mean, it wasn't even close. Bryce Mitchell took care of Dan Ige. He moves up to 16 and 1. And Matias Gamrat defeated Rafael Fiziev. And this was almost like the fight that we just talked about with Pico, where a horrible injury ended the fight early. So we really didn't see a proper ending. But that's the fight game. He moves to 23 and 2, Fiziev 12 and 3. What would you like to talk about from this fight night card that took place this past Saturday night? 
Man, I just hate when a main event ends this way. There's there's nothing you can do about it, but it really doesn't solve much. And these are two guys that I feel like later on, well, not later on, but they can set the tone for the next couple of years in this division. You know, we're always talking about the guys at the very top. Well, they're going to go away eventually, and these are the guys that you're going to be left with. And so whenever you see somebody go down to an injury like that, you have to wonder, all right, when this person comes back, are they going to be the same? What kind of momentum can can the victory even take out of this? It really does just kind of crush a card a little bit, and, it, and it's impossible to plan against. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right. So let's uh, talk a little bit about, uh, I mean, w- w- I don't know, you know, Marina Rodriguez, for example, strawweight, big fight for her, big win for her, very violent ending. I was more concerned with is Watterson going to retire. It didn't do much for Marina Rodriguez because her last two fights goes were against uh, Verna Jandarova and um, uh, Amanda Limos. Now, both of them have defeated Marina Rodriguez. So Marina Rodriguez is just kind of stuck, you know, in the spot where really until those ladies get their shine and something happens with them, then she can progress forward. Well, one already happened. Limos had her shot. And so now Marina Rodriguez just has to, I guess, win and campaign for her shot. I still feel like she's just not there. I know she wants to fight for a title. I had a feeling she would smash um, Michelle Watterson, but those two previous losses kind of hurt her mm-hmm. in this uh, stacked fly, sorry, strawweight division. But I guess the important thing was she shook off those two losses. Now, I will say this. She's also beaten Jan Jonan, and that's big because Jan Jonan is a title contender. I don't think she's going to get the next fight. Well, we don't know for sure yet. It could be um, her. You know, it could be China versus China. It could be um, – well, how did they announce it? Does she have an opponent? Who? Jean Weili. Jean Weili. It makes me laugh so much when you look at this. That Zhang Weili is your prize. If you keep winning, that's your prize. You're right. Having a win over Panda is huge. But if I'm her, I honestly just take my time. I let these these girls that are a little bit ahead of me beat on each other for a little bit and maybe mm-hmm. create some room for me to now get in. Now, while you're waiting to do that, that's where you have to try and get better. And because if you if you don't, like Zhang Weili does not look like she's slowing down at all. You got to win over Panda, so that kind of helps you a little bit. But, uh, you know, Carla Spars is out of the way. She, she's having a baby. Who knows what happens with all that? Plus, she's just kind of getting older, right? You don't mm-hmm. have to deal with Rose Nama Yunus no more. I think if you're really smart and you really just take your time, you can uh, map out the next year and a half really well and maybe stack a couple checks. But uh, I'm in no hurry, especially with those two at the top. I still feel like Zhang Weili is the better fighter. I think I think the way we look at Panda is we just look at somebody who could give her a fight. But I don't know that anybody looks at her as this girl's going to take her down. I don't have that feeling. Do you? No, I don't. Zhang Weili looks very, very tough to beat. And that's why I find it odd that Rose Namajunas is just willing to give up those two wins and just go, oh, I'm going to duke it out here at flyweight, see what's up when she actually holds this ace up her sleeve. She doesn't have to put it up her sleeve. She can just kind of hold it like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Mm-hmm. I'm Rose. I sell. People love me, and I've beaten her twice. 
what do I needed to get it to get in there. Almost, almost as powerful as Conor McGregor. Sometimes I'm hesitant to say that because I know Conor is a massive star, but still, think about if Conor had two wins over someone and was still kind of winning more than losing. I mean, the UFC wouldn't hesitate to put that guy in for a title shot, you know. But Rose yeah. says she's very comfortable at flyweight. Um, back to Rodriguez versus Watterson. I remember the headline in 2021, and I know we were just coming out of the pandemic and throwing shows at the apex. It, they went five rounds. It went to a decision. But I just had a feeling this one could get ugly, and it did. I didn't see the point of running it back other than maybe they were just keeping them busy. They needed to fill a card. And so someone, you know, they, they got paid some money to do it. I just don't know how you get hyped, you know, like what – Michelle Watterson isn't even ranked anymore, so it didn't push Marina Rodriguez ahead in any way because the two girls ahead of her had already beaten her. So who knows? Um, she does have that win over Jan Jonan and Mackenzie Dern um, and Amanda Hebus. So that is that contributes to the resume in some way, but we'll see. As of right now, Jean Willy has no opponent. It could be Jan Jonan. It could be possibly Marina Rodriguez if they wanted to shake things up somehow. And there's Tatiana Suarez. But I've heard Tatiana Suarez do some interviews recently where she said, and if they don't give me the title shot, then give me fill in the blank. And I'm like, don't say that. Just demand the title shot that it's yours. Uh, and, and you know, and, and don't let the UFC try and delay it in any way. You're undefeated for crying out loud. I want to say something about Michelle Watterson. She has been fighting for a very, very long time. Okay. Remember before mixed martial arts, she had a life in Muay Thai. She, she did that as well. If you guys, if any of you guys who I guess are considered noobs, right? Just newer to the sport. If you remember her name, Gina Carano, she was fighting at that time. And if, if you look at Michelle Watterson and, She's a tough fighter, but really, you got to go back to 2019. Since 2019, she's had one win. You know what I mean? It was Angela Hill, and I don't know, man. I don't. I don't want to see. I've seen some of these fighters that just aren't the same anymore, and I don't. I don't want to see that from her. She's such a a polite, charming girl, such a fun person to have around that I don't want to see her have problems later in life. And if you looked at her at the end of that fight, she looked like she was in a car wreck. I just don't want to see that from her. I, there's a couple people like this in our sport right now, right? Like Tony Ferguson's another person that, that gets talked about like this. I just don't see the point. Mm. Yeah, she looked like she got in a fight at a Raider game against <laughs> five other girls, and they all just beat her up and left her next to one of the portable restrooms. I mean, her face was so bloody. I felt really, really bad. She's won. She's lost four in a row. She's lost six or seven. That one win you mentioned is sprinkled in there. But other than that, yeah, it just has not been going good for her. I thought she might lay down the gloves, but she didn't. And we'll get to Tony Ferguson in just a second because there was a big announcement. But I guess just to finish out what was on that card, that, I'm highlighting the bigger fights here. I already gave you guys all the results. Um, Bryce Mitchell defeated Danny Ige. Danny Ige just couldn't stop. He stopped some takedowns. But when he was standing, he didn't really um, show the disparity in his skills 
versus Bryce's Mitchell skills. Whereas Bryce on the ground definitely showed the difference between what he has to offer and what Dan has to offer. Again, Dan stopped some takedowns. He got up from some takedowns, but he also got controlled by other takedowns and other forms of grappling to the point that he just had no answers and he couldn't get anything going. So all I can say is congrats to Mitchell. I don't think it was an exciting fight, but it wasn't boring because it, it was tactical in certain points. And if if Dan can free up and make him pay with some damage, then maybe things go differently. But that didn't happen. And Bryce controlled him. And all you can say is congrats to Bryce. And, you know, now I don't know if that gets him further up the, the chain because Taporia put it on Mitchell. And, again, Mitchell's unique, a little weird, a little eccentric. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe he has some sort of a following, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. If, you know, then he grabs the Bible and he, you know, I think, oh, cool. He's donating some of his money to Maui and that's fine. Acknowledging your religion, that's fine. But then he starts with the conspiracy talk and he just kind of ruined it all for me. A little, man. He's yeah, he's very, very weird. But um, it was a good it was a good victory. For Danny Gay, though, like I thought part of what made that fight exciting was him fighting off the takedowns early on. Right. I think that kind of like made us go, oh shit, okay, there could be something here. But it was only a matter of time, and Bryce Mitchell was able to get him down. And it, it's um it's gotta be frustrating for Danny Gay. We see him a lot. You can't say the dude's not in the gym, he's there all the time. But there are these little deficiencies where I almost can't even really call it a deficiency. He's just running into guys that are better than him at, at certain things. And he's got to figure that out because he can't be this guy. He can't be the win two, lose one guy. That mm-hmm. That's not going to make him happy. And then that's not going to be something that uh, keeps you around a very, very long time. So that fight told us a lot. It told us a lot about nothing almost because you're right with Bryce Mitchell. What do you do now? Like, I mean, it's kind of weird knowing it wasn't that long ago, you know, that that he wasn't having a good time either. So who knows? Who knows what we have uh, between these two guys? But it was it was a relatively enjoyable fight. I think a lot of times the guys like Evloev Mitchell are just stronger than him. They're just a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger. They get more 145 out of their bodies than Dan does. I think Dan's an undersized 145. I just don't think he would go to 135. I think I brought it up to him, and he's like, no, 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 ain't no way, ain't no way. I'd like to revisit it and see if that still is the case. But I think a lot, because look, that guy wrestled in high school. He didn't wrestle at the D1 level that I remember or heard of, you know, winning national championships or nothing like that. He did go to college and wrestle. But uh, a lot of it looks like it might just come down to, hey, we're both equally talented. You just might have a bigger frame, and you're winning these these 50-50 positions just because you, you have a little bit more strength than I do. But I don't know. I bet you he would honestly tell us what it is and what it could be. Because here's the unique thing about our game. There are t- look, look at Robert Whitaker. Think about how many guys he should have ran up against that were bigger than him, stronger than him, and yet the guy before losing to Drica Duplessis was 12 and 12, was 12 and 2 as a middleweight, with the two losses only coming to Israel Adesanya. So mm-hmm. you take Israel Adesanya out of the equation, he's champ and he's 12 and 0. As a welterweight, 
who was just struggling to make Walter weight. So he moves to middleweight and was pretty much incredible as an undersized middleweight. For so, Volk. Look at Volk. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Egate has come back before. And he's already kind of dealing with it. He put some stuff out on social media. And that's that. As for Gumroll and Fizzy, Fizzy has already, has already said his ACL was blown. Count on not seeing him for nine months to a year. And, you know, he's dropped some big fights. First the Gagey fight, now this one. So he's kind of out of the title picture. As far as Gamron, what's going to happen? Well, he's in a tough spot. Him, Sarukian, uh, a few other guys, uh, they've had trouble breaking in to the top of 55. The top of 55 is you got popular guys like McGregor and Ferguson uh, and Cowboy even before he retired. And some of them might give you only mostly Ferguson and and you know like a cowboy they might give you that shot. Poirier's not too interested in fighting some of those guys. Chandler either. Um, uh, Gagey did give Faziva a shot and it was close. Faziva almost got him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like to get up there, it's tough. I mean, it took like forever for Benil to get Charles Oliveira. You know, but he finally did, and when he did, he came up short. And I think that's kind of where the spot where the other guys are in. I don't know if they'll get that shot, but they need to hope that someone gives them a shot that can put them over as a title challenger. Now, Makachev had a different route. He beat Hooker and Green, and then his next shot was the title. And neither one of those guys, I think, were top 10, but he beat them, and he was just in the right place at the right time. I don't know if that can happen with these other guys. Makachev, I don't find him to be, we'll say, charming. I did find Habib to be that way, and they probably speak about the same amount of, nah, I think Habib spoke better English and just promoted himself. Um, maybe it was the big O in the L column. That's Who a knows? big part of it. I and think so. Makachev's only got the one loss, you know, but that O is so much more nicer, especially when you when you are also, like I say, um, you endear yourself to the fans. If you look at that crew at the top of that division, it's funny. It's almost like high school. Like they're, they're almost snobbish when you ask them who they're willing to fight and who they're not. And you have this group from the outside that really just has to stand out for any of those guys to not want to fight each other and want to fight one of them. You know, Justin Gagey was probably the only one that cracked a little bit. So they're going to have to do something pretty Mm -hmm. phenomenal. I agree. Grand Dawson's fighting Bobby Green. Um, and he said he told us the other day if he beats him, he wants to fight Dan Hooker. So he's maybe taking that Makashev route. But Gagey, Chandler, Oliveira, McGregor, Poirier, they just. Uh, Benil Dariush needs an opponent. Maybe Matias Gamrot might want. Well, no, they fought already. Dariush yeah. beat him. So never mind. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Our best to Fazeev. I kind of, I really do like watching Fazeev fight, honestly. So hopefully he comes back strong. I think Tom Aspinall is a good example of, you know, we'll miss you for a year, but when you come back and make a splash, we're all on the bandwagon again. So that kind of puts an end there to that recap there of what's going on there. Some recent news. So I guess we threw out Ferguson's name. Ferguson got matched against Patty Pimlet. They fight at UFC 196 on December 16th here in Las Vegas. I got excited when I heard that matchup, guys, because – it came out of nowhere, you know, like I, no one, no one had even entertained it that I knew in my orbit. And so when I heard it, I was like, holy cow, that sounds cool to me. It sounds right. Pimblet gets a name. Ferguson gets 
Ferguson's taking one for the team because he could have been high school snob as well, but he said, all right, let's get this young up-and-comer. And I wonder if Ferguson also said, well, you know, this guy's not as dangerous in certain aspects where maybe I might be all right and I might shake off this six-fight losing streak I'm in. Yeah, it's a, it, it really is. I think we all found out about this at the same time, and I think everybody had a similar look on their face. You wanted to kind of jump up and go, what? And then you just kind of think about it and you go, it, it kind of just makes sense. Mm. Um, you could tell what the UFC wants out of it, I think. But mm-hmm. uh, if you look at Tony Ferguson's last few performances, I mean, it's just not the same Tony Ferguson. But there is a lot of value in a name. And if Patty can come in and defeat him, I think it's a good uh, springboard. But here's the thing. If he does beat him, there's no looking back. There's no going back to the type of fighters he's been fighting. From then on, you're going to have to face some of these tougher guys. And I don't know how many answers Tony Ferguson really solves for you. We got to see. First and foremost, yeah, he was a little bit slower. The way he fought just seemed a little uninterested. I want to see what he actually looks at. Looks like night of the fight, what his physique looks like. Tony Ferguson's fighting for his life here. You know, even with a win, like there's a good chance maybe he does he lays he lays down the gloves himself. You never know. Maybe that's what he's searching for. But as far as having a history or wanting to fight for titles, I think that's probably over. This fight's gonna solve a lot of things. Uh, but despite the way Tony has looked, he's just no pushover. And that's what makes this fight kind of interesting and exciting. Yeah, I don't know why he thought. When he was on five losses and he just fought, he kept thinking he's going to win five in a row and go for the title or something like, excuse me, something like that. And these things that come out of his mouth, he's got such a large fan base. They all cheer for him. But in reality, I think most people are like, "Mm, no, focus on this win. And then we'll focus on the next fight. We're not even thinking of you as a, as a title contender. He's 39 years old. And, even if he had won his last fight, he'd be one in five in his last six fights. Like, there's nothing appealing about even thinking about a road to the title with this guy. He literally would have to be on the same card as Makashev and Oliveira in mm-hmm. Abu Dhabi. And Ferguson would have to be facing, I don't know, Gamra, I guess, or Pimlet. And Pimlet would have had to weigh in at 156. Ferguson has yet to weigh in. And Oliveira slips and falls, and he can't be in the main event. And they'd say, it's too late. The other guy already rehydrated because they probably go for Pimlet first. <laughs> hey, Ferguson, you haven't weighed in. Can you make 55? Sure. He makes 55. Oh, what do you know? We never got to see Habib. We got the next best thing. We got a title fight. We saved it. Wee! I mean, think about what everything I just said. And even that's all far-fetched. I don't even know if they'd give it to him. Because sometimes Dana goes, that's what happens in the UFC. You must be ready, you know? Because everybody would go, you're actually going to put a guy that's 0-6 in his last six fights in a title fight, but you never know. You just never know what you see. That's All that would have to happen. But this is a winnable fight for Tony. I can't believe the odds came out with Pimlet at minus 300. I think he's very popular, for one. And the 0-6 is a statement, 39 years old. But Pimlet doesn't hit that hard. And so I think Ferguson has to worry more about the ground game. But Ferguson's pretty good on the ground himself. Mm-hmm. So Now, I will say this. A 20-something-year-old will definitely get a lot better 
and a 39-year-old just can't get any better. You're declining. You might be able to hold on to your skills, but you're still declining. So maybe Pimlet looks fabulous and just smokes Tony. I don't know. His biggest weapon is his pace, I think, in this fight. I think his pace. If he can keep a high-level pace, he's always going to be one step ahead of Tony, I think. I think he just has to come forward and not stop. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So, folks, that one takes place at UFC 296. And I'm really not even sure, but uh, Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington was announced. But I think we covered this already. Pantoja versus Royville, Ferguson versus Fimlet, Shafkat, Rachmanov, Rack, the oh, sorry, fights Stephen Thompson, and Vicente Luque versus Ian Machado Gary. The reason I wanted to go through these fights is because that is one hell of a main card if that's how we wrap up the year. Two title fights. Ferguson Fimlet, uh, Shafkat versus Thompson, and Luke versus Gary. Take my money. Here's 80 bucks. Oh, yeah. I love that. Me too. What I am disappointing in is I thought Gary would have been a better matchup for Thompson because these guys are two great striking mm -hmm. aficionados. Um, but I, I guess Thompson was really the one that wasn't interested in Gary, and I think he felt like, well, I don't want to put this young kid over, which is exactly kind of what Ferguson's willing to do with Pimlet, but now Thompson's got to worry a lot about Shavcat and putting him on the ground, and that's a beast, man. That's coming at you, Shavcat. Yeah, I, I agree with your take on uh, on Stephen Thompson and the way he looked at at that fight. But holy crap! I mean, they're both really fun fights. They're both really good fights. But you're right. I would have just been a little bit more interested if it went the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shavkat's pretty balanced. He has eight finishes. Sorry, 17 finishes because he's got every fight has been a finish is what I'm trying to say. Um, but as of late, he's been doing more subs than than uh, TKOs. And that's in the UFC. You know, he submitted Jeff Neal. He submitted uh, Je Neil Magny. He was Michelle Perseris, Alex Oliveira. I mean, I, I know Steven Thompson's a black belt. I get it. But I think with Ian Gary, I don't think he would have had to worry about as much about the sub game and just whose game is better on the feet yours or mine let's do it age is not a factor whatever but in this case shaft cat is a mauler yeah he is he's a beast man and he's hoping by the way that somehow that money he lost out when for when michelle Vajeda didn't make weight that some of that comes his way it seems like he's assuming a lot you better get this in writing <laughs> that's true that was yeah, so that kind of takes care of that grouping of announcement. We wanted to focus on Ferguson and and Pimlet. Israel Adesanya, you know, we found out about this DUI over the weekend. He got it three weeks before his title fight. And we can honestly discuss this for an hour or just shut it down in two minutes. All I can say is this. I'll sum it this way. I don't think it had the reason why he lost at all. Um, all although I think it can add to him probably under preparing or underestimating Sean Strickland. But literally, I don't care if it was just two drinks or just a drink. He felt fine. He was this. He was that. Bro, at this level, when you are being compared to an Anderson Silva or a GSP or a when you're in that sentence, you just – you can't be doing that. You have to be perfect in your training camps, especially now. I think you could get away with it back then when you'd hear about Liddell and some strippers the night before or even John Jones saying he did 
drugs, you know, before some of his fights. You know, John Jones has just flat out never lost, you know, but Israel's tasted a little bit of, of defeat. And these are years later as well. I mean, you've seen John Jones have some close fights. It's not like he's, you know, impervious to losing rounds or possibly fights. Some people scored the Dominic Reyes fight for Dominic Reyes. But yeah, Israel, he just, he only has himself to blame for this one. Um, it's just not a good look on his uh, on his legacy, and and nothing's guaranteed. First, Dana said we'll run it, we'll run it back, and now he's kind of backed off on it. Who knows? Maybe Cannonier sneaks in, maybe Drika sneaks sneaks in, or whatever. That it's gonna eat away at Izzy, and it was all for a couple of drinks that he didn't need to have. That's the thing. So we've it says a lot about his mindset for me. Okay, it's not about him getting caught doing it. It's the fact that he did it. We've been around a lot of these fighters, and we've seen the difference between uh, guys who have this championship mentality and guys who are just maybe naturally gifted and, and, and rely a lot on that. I've seen GSP get offered a drink and say, "No, I'm I'm not in that frame of mind right now. I'm you know getting ready for a fight, or there's a possible announcement coming." And then I've seen him take a drink before. You know, there's a time and the place for everything. And during your fight camp, that's just not the time and place. And you you can't have that mindset. Like, if you want to be, forget just being a champion. If you want to be one of the greatest of all time, that just can't be part of your deal. You know, and I think it says a lot about his, his mindset right now. Now, he owned up to it. It's, it's all he could do. I kind of like Dana White's statement. I know sometimes we go heavy on Dana. I like what he said here. I thought he treated that very well. And uh, and moving forward, you know, hopefully this doesn't affect any of those plans that you laid out because Israel Adesanya is always an entertaining fighter. He's a guy who sells tickets. He's a guy that we want to see fight. And I mm -hmm. think we all want to see him do better and get better or get back to who he was. The one little thing that sticks out that a lot of people don't talk about when they when they kind of go over his performances or what he's doing in life is the fact that he could just be getting older. Could just be getting older, man. He's been fighting for a long time, too. But to me, I feel like he can still offer a lot. I think he's just got to get his head straight. We'll see. Um, if anyone can, it's someone like Israel. And it all starts with that admission of just coming up short, you know, towards his own career, you know, and, and not like deflecting. I see a lot of athletes deflect and make it sound like it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. And the history of sports tells us so. You can say all you want that it isn't. It is because we've seen that happen in other sports as well. You just sometimes it's, it all comes down to, uh, who was just more mentally sharp at the end and did what they needed to do when the moment presented itself. Um, you don't know how many chances you'll get at a title shot, and you can't assume this thing's going to go on forever. He's mid-30s. I also don't want to make the biggest deal out of it, like, oh, he's got a drinking problem or anything like that. This is the first I've heard of anything that might have been like, um, you know, some sort of a a problem, but luckily, you know, it wasn't like John seemed to be more the type where, like, bro, you just need to stop drinking alcohol. 
like this is the, like the fifth time I've heard about it, the tenth time I've heard about you and bad decisions. You know, we needed to get him going. No, no, look, Izzy doesn't have a fight booked as of this moment. Go have a drink if you want. Just don't do it in camp and definitely don't do it three weeks out. And definitely don't get behind sure. the wheel of a car as well positioned as you are in this day and age for crying out loud, man. A cab, an Uber, a friend. You know, you can afford a driver. You could probably tell the restaurant that you were at, hey, can can somebody give me a ride home? I don't see a restaurant not figuring out a way. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Even if you tell the waiter, hey, can you cover these two tables? This guy's just going to get this guy uh, home or, or something. I don't know. Um, bad decisions. Whatever. I, I, I've made them too. So, um, Cain Velasquez, can you believe, Ghost, that at the hearing today, they still decided to postpone uh, a trial date. And not only that, if that wasn't the most ridiculous thing I heard, because I think this is the fifth time they've done it. All right? Um, it looks like January 2024 20, is when they're looking to start it, and they want to set the, uh, there's a trial date of December 6th when that will be announced, and we'll know when the official, um, it's called a trial setting date, when we'll know that, that the trial will begin and they're shooting for 2024. But I guess on December 6th, they're hoping that that's when we finally get a clear calendar of what's happening. But that's not what I was going to say. The most ridiculous thing is, can you believe goes that Gularte had supporters there with, um, oh. yeah. And they had hashtags of Kane to trial, uh, hashtag no mental diversion for Kane. And he had support in the form of, like I say, people almost uh, deflecting, you know, towards Kane and the bad decisions that that he made. So that really, really uh, amazed me. Yeah, our justice system is something else, man. I can't believe uh, this all. Be, I, maybe because we talk about it so much, it feels like it. Uh, it just happened, but it really didn't. And there's so much. Like, think about how much time he spent in jail. You know, on top of that, he's been out for a while now. Uh, but I think when this all gets settled, dude, like, I just don't see any way where that guy doesn't do some time. And it's unfortunate. Agreed. It's like you almost want to tap the shoulder of the person that holding up that sign, that hashtag, and say, hey, um, they didn't get in a fight at a Niners game. This guy's accused of allegedly molesting his kid. You do mm -hmm. know that, right? Like, you know, like, do you have an answer to that? Like, what goes through some people's heads? I think our dog is smarter than some people that are out there on the same planet as we are. Could be. You know what I mean? Like, there are some dummies out there, dude. Holy cow. I don't know. I don't know what, what it's all about, but Showtime Boxing wants to wrap it up, goes, I think 2024 might be it. Dana White, of course, was quick to slam it, saying, you know, along the lines that it's kind of sucked or something like that. And I'm thinking, well, I wouldn't go that far. I get it. You and Steven Espinoza are rivals in a way. You know, you speak, you kind of hammer each other. Espinoza was saying that I guess the upcoming fight between Canelo and Charlo, which, by the way, doesn't suck as a boxing match. It's on Showtime. Mm -hmm. it's, a it's a $20 million gate, and he pointed out that Showtime's had three of those in this year, and the UFC hasn't even had one. I think the UFC will get one in New York, but um, they haven't even had one. I thought that was a pretty interesting gig, uh, dig, but 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't go so far as, as to say it sucked. In fact, the one fight that they coke promoted was on Showtime, and that was McGregor versus Mayweather. It's like maybe say I don't like those guys. I don't like the production. I think that's what Dana says. But mm-hmm. a lot of people say they don't like the UFC's production. But I don't think they've ever sucked. They, they've. I think they've delivered a lot. It's an odd situation because, to me, I feel like boxing's had a little bit of a resurgence. Now, that's not to say, uh, here they come again. You know, it, it's just more like they were hurting for a moment. And I think they were able to put together a couple good uh, moments, although some of the fights didn't maybe le- uh, live up to what we expected. On paper, there were still mm-hmm. fights that people wanted to see and they paid for. And I felt like they made a little bit of comeback. And it just depends on how you look at this uh, this uh, Jake Paul stuff, right? Like, do you look at that as boxing? I don't know. But I do feel like there's a little bit more interest this year than there was maybe last year or the year before. So we'll have to see. I don't know what this means for boxing. Yeah. Um, he was asked about Zufa boxing. And first, he's been all about it. He's been wearing T-shirts. Then he says... Um, no, it's not a game I want to get into. And I guess when he was recently asked about it, he said, we'll see. So I don't know what that means, but you know, there's going to be a time when, if he does decide to promote your card, better be better than Charlo versus, uh, Canelo. You know, that's the, the one I can think of that's coming up or otherwise, what's that say about your card? Right. That's one of the great Mexican boxers, you know, and Charlo's a definite legit fighter. And they're coming up here at the end of the month here in Las Vegas. So <laughs> there's I just a don't whole... see the need of wording it like the the need to word it like that, I guess. You have to understand there's a whole new generation of people on this planet. And they are replacing a group of people that for the longest time they just hate mixed martial arts. They hate it. And now you're you have this new crop of fan that's probably in college right now or just getting done with college and they are going to always ask that question they're always going to say okay i like boxing that's interesting but can that guy beat up the other guy and the answer is no right and so little by little that i, I just feel like the money is going to be more in mixed martial arts than it is in boxing right now uh some of these gates what people pay these people are going away you know and, and it, it's sad Boxing needs to do something about that. They have to figure out how to tackle that. Maybe it is a Jake Paul or someone like that that can kind of bridge that gap. But they got to do something. Mm. And, you know, I wasn't even thinking of Jake Paul and all that when he was probably addressing it. I think he was probably throwing the shade at that guy. I mean, just earlier this year, we got one of the best boxing matches we've ever seen. It was a Showtime pay-per-view, Crawford and Spence. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you remember everyone talking about that fight literally for like a week after it happened and how great Crawford looked and how he's going down in history as one of the best we've seen? Garcia Davis um, was it? Was that's a, not a shitty product to me. Those aren't yeah. shitty fighters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but that's just kind of the way Dana rolls sometimes. Uh, I don't know. He, he, by the way, gave out six fighters contracts uh, yesterday. It's a lot. Yeah, so he's still kind of having at it. It's it's just win, and you're pretty much in. 
but we'll take some losers too, which I definitely have said in the past, hey, that guy impressed me. I could see him, you know, uh, getting signed by the UFC because he didn't look bad losing. I thought about this a little bit, George. And with the PFL in the situation they're in, and with Bellator in the situation they're in, I'm wondering if the UFC just didn't really take the stance of let's put a stranglehold on on everyone out there right now for like the next two years and see if this just isn't the time where we can get rid of some of our competitors. Because who do they replace them with? You know, some of these other organizations. Mm -hmm. They're just swallowing up everyone. I think the UFC is so far out and ahead that they really don't need to do it. Like I thought, you know, like Kayla was outstanding over there and, um, you know, Pitbull and McKee, and they've had a chance with some fighters that are just outstanding over at Bellator. But those promotions and their fight nights don't catch traction. Like I'm really hoping Bellator 300 is a big night and everyone gushes over it, right? I'm really rooting for them. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that most of the planet doesn't see it that way. They are all about UFC. I mean, it isn't even like, oh, the UFC is the English Premier League and the other one's the Bundesliga and the other one's La Liga. No, no, it's not even like that. It's almost like, like again, going back to one's the NFL, the other one's arena football, and the other one is um, the bras and panty one or something. I mean, I don't know, like something NFL Europe, just something where like, I don't even think I've ever caught a game like that type of feeling, you know? Right. It's, it's And so I don't know why you would need to snag all those fighters other than you're just afraid one of them might blow up. But again, if they blow up and they blow up under the banner of another promotion that just doesn't get the eyeballs, what are you worried about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just the way they, they, they post things. I don't know. It's weird. Let's go fast on these last couple. Francis Ngannou says he's out to prove he's not just a one-shot guy against Tyson Fury. Goes, I don't agree with that strategy. I guess I don't mind him saying it if it's a smokescreen. But, bro, don't out try to box, outbox a, a very, very good technical heavyweight boxer. You know, find ways to be unpredictable and smack him is all I can say. I Maybe it's got to be a smokescreen. It really does. Because uh, from what we've heard from his coaches from other people around him, they kind of seem like they understand that that frame of mind. He's the only one that really wants you to believe this. And I don't I don't necessarily if you're Tyson Fury, are you gonna really take that serious? Probably not. It it wouldn't be a good strategy. You don't pick up uh that level of boxing in that short amount of time. No matter who you are, it just doesn't happen. I agree. Uh, he had a open workout here in Las Vegas, and I'm sure he got asked a lot of questions. He he, he thinks Miocic and Jones is 50 50. Um, I don't. I think three years ago, I think I would have predicted Miocic could just take him, but Miocic hasn't fought in three years, <clears throat> and he just hasn't looked as great in his last few fights. I mean, I guess he did close out the DC trilogy, uh, made a fine adjustment there, and, and won those. You know, the second fight, he was losing. He adjusted and body shot DC to death, and then he took him out in the third round. Or sorry, the third fight. But um, that was that was a long time ago at this point. And John is now no longer on three years of rust. He just fought, and you know, I think he's going to be pretty tough. 
five years younger. We'll see. Anything can happen. He is probably the UFC heavyweight goat. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's the all-time heavyweight goat, but I I don't know, man. I don't know. I just think you need to you need to be training. You need to be fighting. Uh, if you're going to go up against John Jones, you need to be at your best. And that's just not the recipe to being at your best, taking that long of a layoff and waiting until you're 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lastly, uh, Jamal Hill says, Prochaska is stronger than Alex Fajeda. Needs to mix it up to win the vacant title at UFC 295. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think Fajeda's pretty damn impressive as a striker, and I see this fight being contested mostly in the striking realm. I think Fajeda has a good shot to win it. But at this point, I'm not ready to give a full-on prediction. I probably need to see a little bit more of Fajeda other than, than I have seen him. And Prochaska's wild. He's nuts. Um, I've seen King Mo beat him, though. Uh, I also saw him beat King Mo. But, uh, yeah, like, that guy, I, I I don't know. I've never really been able to get a good gauge as to how good Prochaska is, to tell you the truth. I think best Yuri. If you get if you get the best version of both guys, I give Yuri a slight edge. Um, but right now, uh, that's tough, man. Because you do see some some improvements out of Pereira. Pereira. I, I think I still lean Yuri though. Only thing that scares me is his chin. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm talking about yeah, Pajeda. But for mm-hmm. Fajeda to be able to shake off that KO against um, homeboy Israel, right, in April, and then come back and beat Jan, that was very impressive. Man, I thought he was making the biggest mistake ever, and he pulled it off. So um, we shall see. Um, Prochaska's coming off the serious shoulder surgery, but it sounds like he's ready to go. And we appreciate Jamal Hill chiming in. He says he's the big dog, though, when he comes back. Then order will be restored. Maybe he'll be right. I don't know. This thing's been wild ever since John Jones left, to be honest with you. True. Well, I, Folks. I, I, oh, go ahead. I did want to end something uh, in sure. the show a little differently, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, one topic that I wanted to touch on, and we get to touch on this on our last show. There is a gentleman by the name of John Rico. He's a listener of our show for a very, very long time. And John Rico one day set out the goal of trying to learn jujitsu. And little by little, every couple of years, we would get an update and we would see where he would progress, right? I am happy to announce that not last week, I think the week before or early, he received his black belt in jujitsu at King's MMA. And he is the first person to go in as a white belt and come out of a black belt from that gym. And I think it'd be cool if we, we, yeah, if we dedicate this show to him, that is awesome. He's not the only person that is uh, attempting to do this. We have a a couple other listeners that are also doing this. Uh, You guys remember Aaron Menard. He was a caller of our show. He is now a ref and a judge. So if you guys truly love this sport, the way you say you do, and you want to be a part of it, those are two examples right there of people who were able to accomplish that. And much props to them. I mean, that it's not easy. And they went out there and they did that. So props to you, Johnny Rico. We're all proud of you. 
and uh, can't wait to, to hear somebody else maybe give something like this a try. Yeah, and I know we've brought up Juan Lee before as well. I think he's a Brown, so he's getting close. And do you remember, goes uh, a friend of ours that we made through uh, when I had to take Chuck Zito because his Macintosh laptop wasn't working, and that's when we met uh, Armando Aguilar, who yeah. was a genius. He's now up the purple belt. Nice. Over yeah, he's a guys, Cobra Tiger. Yeah, Cobra Kai, Simgo, Cobra Kai. So he's been progressing, and he lost a ton of weight as well. So there's been a lot of uh, Jonathan King, another listener of the show. He's been broadcasting fights. He's going through a health issue right now, and he's public about it. So some of you might know him. I think he goes under the knife soon, but he's been calling fights out in the L.A. area. And so, um, yeah, there's there, there's uh, some really, really cool stories attached to people that we know that are listeners of ours and uh, friends of ours and know the circle of the junkie nation, you know, so congrats to them. And uh, I did want to say one last thing is uh, it's not having to do anything with them, by the way. Uh, but September is suicide awareness month. And um, they, Maybe more will come out in what I'm getting at, but for right now, I'm going to kind of keep it to myself. Um, but let's just say I, I, I know someone that passed away. I don't know details yet, but there's, you know, um, a possibility that this may have been something that, that went that route. And I hope it's not, but it may have. So there's something called the 988 Lifeline. Um, and I'm sure there's many towns that have actual 24-7 numbers, you know, that you can call and reach out and talk to someone uh, if you are feeling a distress of some sort or a depression of some sort. And there's you feel like there's no one you may want to open up to or talk to, um, but you can. And there are these numbers and, you know, LGBTQ veterans youth out there uh that are scared to come forward there's many ways where you can get help but the first one i think is picking up the phone and hearing a voice don't worry about texting or posting or anything like that hear a voice and you might just be having a bad day and there's professionals out there that can at least maybe bring some calm to you so that you can get over that particular moment so anyhow um I do want to, again, echo what Ghost said. Yeah, congrats to Rico, man. That was dope. I'm glad I got to see him recently and tell him so as well. Folks, uh, have a nice day. Thank you for your support. We'll be back on Spinning Back Click this Monday. Just a few more weeks, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, and then we'll go back to our normal start time, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So it's just a one-hour time difference because we're finishing out Dana White Contender Series Season 7. And the weigh-ins are right at that time that we normally do it. So we've been kind of going an hour early, leading into the weigh-ins. People watch the weigh-ins. and But everything will go back to normal. And, again, it's live. And I think it's a great show where we discuss all the latest stories in MMA. We kind of missed it this week, too. Missed it as in, like, I, I caught it. I caught the replay. I promoted it. But I kind of missed being on it. But I want to give a shout-out to Mike Bond, who stepped in and did the hosting duties. And the panel of Nolan King. Uh, Danny Segura and Matt Wells. And, and one last thing, 
World MMA Awards. Vote for Nolan King for best journalist. He's doing great work, man. Um, he's been handling the King Velasquez updates, and uh, he's been our guy for Bellator when they're out back east. And of course, he just kicks ass, man. He uh, works for Tapology on the side, and he's learned editor duties. And he's so nice, and he hustles, and he breaks news, and he really is deserving. So are so many of our reporters that could be right there with him. But they only choose five in all of MMA, and he's the one. He's one of the five they chose. So, we, I'm sure he would appreciate your vote. And MMA Junkie is up as best media source, and I can tell you, we would appreciate your vote. And there's still time. WorldMMAAwards.com. Please do it, and maybe share it with another MMA fan who might go in there and vote for us as well. All right, folks, go out and be a champion. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.